Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Let's give a big old shout out to God for this great country. Amen. Thank you, God. Woohoo! I love it. I love it. You know, we really, truly are blessed to be born here. I mean, think about that. I mean, all the places on the planet, God had a divine design, and he put us here in this time, in this place, for a reason, all of us. And so we need to be so thankful and grateful. Every day, we need to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And so, but we also need to remember that we should not squander one moment, one minute of our freedom, and we need to live it in a way that will bring glory and honor to him and leverage our influence on behalf of the good of others. Amen? And we're so thankful for God's goodness and his grace and his mercy. Let's just go to the Lord for a moment of prayer. Father, we are so thankful for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do. We thank you for this great country, Father God, founded on the principles of your word. We thank you that even our our founding documents, Father God, contain scripture, contain, uh, Lord, uh, just instruction from the divine one. We thank you that our founding fathers, godly men and women, Father, had put in place a system by which that we are to live by that will bring us the greatest of freedoms. We thank you, Father God, even though the world we live in changes you, change not. And your desire for this country and for all of us is to live free as free men and women, Father God, and to leverage our influence for the good of others. We pray for our leaders, Lord. We pray for them in Jesus' name. We pray for laborers that come across our path to speak life, to speak godliness in the things that they do. We thank you that you surround them with protection and safety, Father God. May everything they see, everything they hear contain you. We thank you, Father God, Lord, for this country and our men and women that serve us so bravely, so courageously across this world. We pray for their safety and protection. We pray for the families at home, Father God, that live perhaps in worry and fear, that you are their comfort. We thank you, Father God, that we choose to be people that will not sit idly by, but we will be the light in the darkness. We will rise up into our place, Father God, as believers, as Christ followers, Lord, and put you first place in everything we do so that this world may know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And so, Father God, so this country can still be great. We thank you for your blessings. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One more time, let's give a big God bless you. Thank you, Father. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. You know, we are really blessed. Think about it. All the places, you turn on the news, you see all the places around the world, and you're thankful for the country we live in, honestly. We, we need to be. Every day, we should not squander our freedoms or our rights, but we live them in a way that will honor God and honor this country. No matter where, where, what you think about it today or where you, th- where you think it's going, we have a lot to be thankful for, amen? And the way that we honor the men and women that fought and died and continue to stand on the front lines to preserve our freedom is to do our job, do our duty as citizens of this country, uh, voting, praying for our leaders, amen? You know, I was thinking the other day, back, actually back when we had the Vietnam War Memorial Wall, we had 58,377 names on there. And I was blessed to have been, my dad was in Vietnam, I, I've never served in the military, and, and it, you know, there comes this point in time where I'm thinking about my contribution. I'm so thankful for the few that put their life on the line for the many. What would my contribution be? And then it, it continues to speak to my heart that my contribution is to leverage my freedom for good on the betterment of other people and to vote. And can I say that this is an important year to vote? 
And so we need to be prayerful people. We need to make sure as Christians that we're voting the scripture, we're voting being led to the Holy Spirit. But we need to do our part because that's what's honoring to those that have given us our freedoms and still maintain it today. And so we're thankful to be born in this great country. So man, God bless you and God bless America. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bible to Galatians 5. So I just want to encourage you this morning as you're having a weekend with your family and friends, perhaps maybe even traveling, just be safe. But always remember that freedom's never free. It comes with a great price. And we say that all the time and it's so true and especially should be understood by those that know Jesus as Lord and Savior because we have a freedom that's given by this country because of the men and women, our founding fathers, men and women that keep us safe, protect our freedoms. But we have a greater freedom that comes on the inside from a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? And that transcends political beliefs, that transcends borders of countries. And so I also think it's important for us to remember our obligation to spread the true freedom, if you will, around the world. Because despite, as we saw three different stories, despite where people live under difficult circumstances that they can still have, may not have a political, politically free system, but they can have the freedom that comes in Jesus. Amen? And so we have an obligation to do that. But let's talk about freedom this morning, living free or how to live free. Let's take a look at Galatians 5.13. This kind of comes obviously from where we are today in celebrating the 4th of July weekend, but a little bit from last week, kind of is what inspired me uh, to talk about today. Let's take a look in the book of Galatians here. And the book of Galatians is a great book. I'm gonna do a series on the book. It's a fantastic book. You need to read the whole book. And the Apostle Paul, Apostle means that he was a church planner who went all over around and planting churches and then he put pastors in place. And so he would stay in contact with those pastors. He would write letters to those churches in those regions and then he would correct correct ways that they're doing things. He would just you know, bring them back on track with the things that they need to be doing, following the teachings of Christ and, and being inspired by God and the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing here in Galatians. He's writing a letter to the churches in Galatia, which is a region, it's actually in modern day Turkey. And what had happened was he had been there at one point in time, planted the church, and then after he left, <clears throat> a bunch of new believers are there. Some believers that had come with a little bit different belief system came in and started telling them they were doing things wrong and they started, they needed to do some things differently. Trying to get them back kind of to the old way, the old traditions, if you will, of men that man had implemented. So Paul's writing a letter to correct them, and he's really writing them and talking, really this whole book is a lot about freedom. So let's take a look here in Galatians 5.13, New Living Translation says, for you have been called to live in freedom. It is the call and desire of God to all of us to live free, amen? Not just where we live in the world, but free and a relationship with him and not in bondage, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom. He's now he's gonna tell us the proper use or expression of freedom. This is why he's given it. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve one another in love. Amen. That is the proper use, application, expression of freedom, why God gave it to mankind, and so that we can leverage everything we are, everything we have for the good of mankind or those around about us. Now, there's a different mindset about freedom I think is very prevalent today, and really freedom without this in mind, with a different mindset, says freedom is so you can do whatever you wanna do. And wouldn't you agree, that's kind of the struggle today in the world today. We're trying to get more freedoms, if you will, or legislate more freedoms so we can live however we want to live despite what anybody else thinks or does or how it affects them. But God says through the scripture, he says that our freedom is to be leveraged for the good of others. And so there's a competing mindset here, if you will. There's God's view of things and there's a worldly view of things and that's always the case. God has one view and the world has a competing view. And so today I want to talk about those two things. And I want to look in Galatians for a little bit more, but 
This is uh, something I think is so important for us to understand today. Even though it was written back then, it is still alive and relevant today, especially if we look at the way our world is today, there are two competing mindsets, God's way and then the world's way. And so Paul's addressing the right perspective or application, how to stay free. So let's take a look in Galatians 1. Turn over to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says this, again, an apostle, he's writing the beginning, the opening, here's the opening of his letter to the churches in Galatia. Paul, an apostle, the one who plants churches or planted that church, sent not from men nor by a man, but from Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and reminding him where he comes from and where they come from and all the brothers and sisters with me, those are traveling with Paul around doing ministry to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself, here's a reminder, he gave himself for your sins to rescue you from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. What an opening paragraph right there. You ever write your letter? You ever sit down and write a letter that way to your friend one time or something like that. That is a powerful opening paragraph, but he's setting the stage up, reminding them whose they are, where they come from. Now, look at this next scripture. This is great. So then he says, after he sets them up and says where they come from, putting in remembrance of that, all that Jesus did for them, and he says, I'm astonished or I can't believe this. Or you have got to be kidding me. And almost with an attitude, if you read the whole book, and he's kind of got this attitude here, he's astonished, he's fed up, and he, said, he, he says this, I'm so astonished, I can't believe that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ Jesus and are turning to a different gospel. Hold on to that thought. He's saying, remember all that stuff I was just saying about Jesus who died for you and did all this stuff for you? I can't believe you're turning away from that to a different gospel. To which we would say there's more than one gospel, and I would say there's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who laid his life on the line, whom the Father sent to die on our behalf, and then there's every other belief system, honestly. And so Paul's saying, I cannot believe you're turning away from the gospel of Jesus, and he goes on to say this, which is really the other gospel, which is really no good at all because it's not from Christ. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, did that scripture just describe today? Absolutely. That there's a worldly mindset, a secular mindset, a, a, a religious mindset that perverts or is different than the mindset of Jesus. There's two different gospels. There is the gospel based on Jesus who came and gave his life for each and every one of us. And then there's a different mindset, a gospel, a religious belief system. And Paul's saying, you're turned away from Jesus. Someone has come in and confused you. And I think, again, we see that today. We have to be so very careful that the world is trying to permeate our belief system and bring some things in, even subtly, to try and confuse us and get us off of the true gospel. And understand the true gospel is where our real freedom comes from, amen? It is where real freedom comes from. And so that is being at risk when we listen to the other ideas that are out there, the other teachings, if you will. And, and like we said last week, that re remember that we are, if, whether Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life or not, Everyone is a spirit being. So if you die, some, if you die at some point in time, and from what I understand, statistics say 100% of people will die. Uh, if you die at some point in time, you'll either go to heaven or you'll go to hell. There is no in between. So you're a spirit being. Your body will go back to the earth, but your spirit man will go somewhere. So we are spirit beings first. So we need to have a spirit mindset. That needs to be the proper order, spirit first. But our tendency is to live natural first. When we are spirit beings having temporary natural experiences, we're not natural beings having temporary spiritual experiences Sunday and Wednesday. Today, you're not a natural being having a spiritual experience today. 
That's not it. You are a spiritual being, have temporary natural experiences. And so with that in mind, that is our proper order. And so there, it's easy for you and I, however, because of this world system, to slip in being after we have that experience with Jesus, to slip back into a natural way or natural mindset and live out of that. Because now we know we're going to heaven and grace has come in and saved us, but now we have a tendency to just live by default with either a religious mindset or a worldly mindset and manage our relationship with Christ that way. And so Paul says that's the danger here. Real freedom comes from the relationship with Christ, not managing it based on a worldly system or religious system. And in fact, what we see here is, is really the, the age-old argument. Uh, it's where it begins. We see this in, in the scripture. And so, uh, really, people can turn God's freest expression of the gospel into bondage. And so the question is, how am I gonna, how am I gonna live free? And so to understand it, we need to go back to the book of beginnings where it first came about and take a look in Genesis 2. I want you to hang in there with me. I really think it's gonna bless you this morning and help us understand how that we can live free. It shows up in the very beginning of scripture, right after the creation story, when God is interacting with man. Genesis 2, verse eight says this. Now the, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Basically, God says, in the middle of a garden, there's a choice for Adam and Eve to make. You can live out of the tree of life, I'll explain that in just a second, or you can live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now understand, there was a choice there. Now the choice wasn't necessarily to sin or not sin, because it says you can live out of the tree of life or you can live out of the tree of knowledge of what? Is that a bad thing? So it wasn't the choice is not to sin or not to sin. The choice is how are you going to live your relationship with God? How are you going to control it? How are you going to pursue it, if you will? How are you going to walk that out? See, the choice was knowledge-based, the knowledge of good and of evil, but it was knowledge-based. It was a worldview. It was what their approach to God could be. How am I going to follow God? How am I going to walk godly? And really, the choice is there. So this way, he's saying, this way, they're saying the knowledge of good and evil is either knowledge-based or worldly mindset or secular-based that you determine what's good and evil based on knowledge or the tree of life, which is relationship-based or heart-based relationship with Jesus. So basically, we're given a choice that we can pursue the tree of life or a heart-based relationship with Jesus for freedom or we can choose a knowledge, mindset, we control base idea of freedom. And the pull for you and I, because of the world we live in today, even more so today, is to follow a knowledge-based relationship with God. The problem with that is, that is a deception that leads to greater bondage, not greater freedom. We know this, the closer you get to Jesus, the more freedom that you have. The closer you get to God, the more freedom that you have. And so let's take a look uh, here then because we understand this. God wants us to have the right relationship which brings freedom, but the devil doesn't. And so uh, what'll happen, we'll look at uh, Genesis 2, uh, 16 and 17. And the Lord commanded them, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you may not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, he's not talking about a physical death, and we'll understand that in a moment, but what he's saying is don't let a knowledge-based relationship or worldview relationship 
be your relationship with me, he says, because it will lead to death or you'll reject Christianity. If you have a relationship with God based on knowledge of deciding what's good and what's evil, you will eventually reject a relationship-based, heart-based relationship with God. And the mistake in that is you, again, find yourself in greater bondage, not in greater freedom. And he says, if you follow a knowledge-based relationship, what you'll see die is your relationship with him, eventually, your relationships in your marriages, your relationships with your family, your relationships with people, which only are successful or strong if your relationship with God is. Are you with me? All right, you understanding this? Okay, so that's the difference. So the greater freedom really is a heart-based relationship with Jesus, not a head knowledge of what's good and evil. Because that's based on what, the, what popular culture says today. That's based on cultural Christianity. Because understand what's acceptable today in the Christian world was not acceptable at one point in time. Because we have put that relationship in our mind and we've determined, well, that was for back then. A lot of times are different now, so it just makes sense. No, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it leads to greater bondage, not greater freedom. But the word of God is the true gospel. The heart relationship is the true gospel. That's the right path. But this deception is that there's greater freedom over here. And that's not true. And it's not true because the enemy comes immediately to try and attack the idea of living out of the tree of life or having a heart-based relationship with God instead of a knowledge or works-based relationship. So he comes to try and take away their freedom. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, now come on. Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? Because that just doesn't make any sense. And it goes on to say this. <clears throat> the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. We may eat fruit from them. But God did say, no, he did say, you must not eat from the fruit, uh, fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. Now, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. That just doesn't make any sense. Think about that for a moment. You're gonna die if you eat from that. It doesn't even make sense to me. What is he doing? He's addressing that, again, the mindset is not the relationship, but the knowledge base. And he says, you'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows, listen to this, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open. Now listen to this phrase, and you'll be like whom? You'll be like God. Let me get that in just a second. Knowing good and evil. You know what the devil said here? What he's doing? He's not appealing to her rebelliousness. He's not appealing to a sinful nature or a propensity to sin. Well, God, if you wouldn't have given given me a more godly woman or whatever, we wouldn't have had this problem. I mean, obviously she just wanted to rebel. Obviously she just wanted to get, you know, that's not happening. That's not what the deal is. What is the devil appealing to in Eve? The devil is appealing to Eve on a desire to be more like God. Come on, says it right there. He's appealing for her desire to be more godly. I want to be more godly. I want to be more like God. He appealed to her desire to be godly. Look at what it says, and you will be more godly. You will be like God. This wasn't about necessarily about her desire to sin or not sin. It was her desire to be more godly. Now think about that. Come on, does that not sound like the world we're living in today? That is the world's mindset creeping into the church and come on, it's not really like that. You'll be more godly if you think this way. I mean, that was then, this is now. And that, now God would even do it that way today. That's a different gospel. And so, in, isn't it true that the closer we are to God, the stronger our relationship is with God, the more freedom we walk in? Then isn't it true that the appeal of religion is a false closeness to God? 
Or isn't it true that the appeal of a worldly mindset is a false sense of freedom? Because it is what will take you away from that heart relationship. And it may stem from just wanting to be more like God, but our default then is to do that out of the knowledge of what's good and what's evil instead of just a heart relationship with Jesus. It's following the true gospel or following a perverted one. One will promise you greater freedoms, but will lead you to more bondage. Now, the devil is making the same appeal today. Religion, cultural Christianity, political correctness, whatever it is, it's... It's a worldview, knowledge base of godliness or freedom. And notice the serpent said that you can control your own godliness. Come on. You can control your own freedom and it's better. That was the appeal. Isn't that the idea today? You can control your own godliness. I'm telling you that we're, we're facing the same thing and our freedom is on the line and we need to learn how to live free because what the world's mindset is, that knowledge of good and evil, if you will, is trying to get us away from the relationship-based, relationship with God, heart-based one, into a knowledge-based one which changes with time and circumstances. So she bought into it and so did Adam. Let's take a look in verse six. When the woman saw the fruit was good to eat and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate. Listen to this now. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know what happened here? It says their eyes were open. <clears throat> there was a loss of innocence and, sh- and, their- and shame came. Now, now that's, that's important. I want you to understand this. Where's more freedom? The knowledge, or rather living out of the tree of life, which is a relationship-based gospel, or living out of the knowledge of good and evil, where's more freedom? Because living out of the knowledge of good and evil, when she partook, brought them greater bondage. Right? It's right there because they were more free and all of a sudden now they're covering up and doing nice things. They lost their innocence and they lost or they gained shame or shame came into the picture. Every time we make the wrong gospel choice, it always produces loss of innocence and shame. It always produces loss of freedom. Anybody getting anything out of this this morning? All right, you need to know this because that's our choice today. It's no different today than it was there. How are we gonna live free? We're gonna live out of the tree of life. We're gonna live out of a heart relationship with Jesus full of grace and mercy, not out of a knowledge or worldly mindset that promises things it can never deliver because what you engage in when you engage in that secular worldview when you think there's more freedoms and it promises more freedoms is it always ends up in a loss of innocence and shame, which is greater bondage. But he came to set us free. He came to restore our innocence. He came to take away our guilt and shame. That gospel of Jesus is the true gospel. The other is perverted. That's what Paul said. So in order for you and I to live free, we have to continue living a vibrant, passionate, healthy, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ and not be deceived by the promise of greater freedoms by controlling your own godliness. You can't. It will always lead to a greater loss of innocence and shame and put you in greater bondage. <clears throat> so maybe that's a little dis- difficult to grasp, so let me give you some ideas to help explain it. The difference between the two choices concerning our freedom. Let me give you this first one. One focuses on what you do. One focuses on what you do. 
It's all about you, works and deeds. You control your own godliness. You determine based on your works, your deeds. Look what I'm doing. Look what I did. I read more than you. I pray more than you. I give more than you. I serve more than you. You know, you can do these things and not be more godly. Why? Because it's a heart issue. It's a relationship issue. See, the focus is not on what you do. Here's the focus. It's when one focuses on what Jesus has done that brings the greatest freedom. Amen? Not what you've done, your own form of godliness, but what Jesus has done. So instead of, look how much I read my Bible, or look how much of my Bible I've read, it's how much of Jesus can I find in what I've read? How much closer did I get to Jesus based on what I read? Not what I do, but what I, what I can find of Jesus. You realize you can read 10 chapters and you can just gloat about how many chapters, I read 10 chapters today, and, you can, and somebody else could read one verse and really connect to the heart of God based on what he's already done. So one is out of a, this is what I do based on, I control my own godliness, and one is based out of a relationship connecting with Jesus, which brings greater freedom. John 5, 39 through 40, here's what it says. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's saying it doesn't matter how many scriptures you read unless you connect with the one who it's about because the scripture old and new will reveal Jesus and how much he loves you and what he's done. So reading him is not gaining knowledge per se, although you will, but it's not to gain knowledge, it's to get closer to Jesus. One can bring you greater bondage, one will bring you greater freedom. Another one, let me explain it this way, another one. One focuses on getting God's approval. One focuses on getting God's approval. We either inherently believe, I don't know what it is, but it seems like we either inherently believe or we've been taught that God is mad at us. I mean, how many of you were raised that way? Just like, you're just always trying to get God's approval. And think of all the things we do to get God's approval. It's like he's sitting on in heaven in this big Abraham Lincoln monument chair, right? This big throne stone thing with a lightning bolt in one hand waiting for you to mess up. And that's kind of how we're raised, we believe a lot of times. But that's the other gospel. You don't need to get God's approval. He already loves you. He already loves you. So the other gospel is, it focuses on receiving God's love, not getting his approval. You focus on receiving a love that already exists, a love that already has been given through Jesus. One brings you closer. One brings you more freedom. Let me say this. God knows your sin life, and he still loves you. If you're working, 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 out of loss of innocence and shame, you're living in the other gospel. He loves you. Now, he doesn't like sin, but he loves you. So understand, your view of God will determine your relationship with God. How you see him will determine how you act with him. Let me give you an example. You can be in church today. You can come to church today. We had a great time of worship and praise and, and, and you could be there and you could, everything in you may want to lift your hand, but, but you may have done something. You may have made a mistake this week and all of a sudden now you're just like, I want to lift my hand, but I feel like such a hypocrite and, and there's some kind of thing we feel we have to go through because I'm not worthy yet. I need God's approval first before I can lift my hands again. It's like, are you kidding me? In the midst of your deepest, darkest sin, raise your hand to God and surrender and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Why? Because he still loves you. If nothing else, he still loves you. You're not trying to get God's approval. You don't need to get God's approval. Receive God's love that's already been expressed. Romans 5.8 says this. Listen to this. I love this. This should be 
a mirror refrigerator scripture, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still what? While we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it together before he died for you. He died a long time before you even came on the scene knowing what you would do. What tree are you living out of? What gospel are you following? It determines your freedom. So no matter what you've done, get as close to him as you can and that love will change everything. First John four nineteen <clears throat> says this, we love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. I worship him not because of what I've done or didn't do. I worship him because he first loved me while I was still being a knucklehead this week. Which is more freedom. Let me give you the last one. One focuses on external duty. Do this, do that. You didn't do enough. You didn't pray enough. You didn't read enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't serve enough. I don't want to do it, but I still did it anyways. Did you see that, God? I didn't want to go to church, but I went. Aren't you glad? I didn't want to give to the missions, but I gave. I didn't serve. I knew there's a need, but I did it anyway. And one focuses on internal desire. It's the joy of my life to serve you, God. It's a privilege to give to you, God. I don't have to, I get to. That's what we say around here. We don't have to, we get to. It's the greatest honor of our life to serve God based on what he's done for us. How can we do anything else but give him everything we completely are? First John 5, 3 and 12 says this, verse 3. In fact, this is the love God for God. This is love for God to keep his, keep his commands in which we would say, ah, then you're just talking about works. And I'd say, well, hold on a second. And his commands are not burdensome. It's not a hard thing. And he goes on to say this. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Here's what I'd say. His commands are not burdensome. Well, they are if you're not in love with them. His commands aren't inconvenient. Well, well, okay, wait a minute. They are if you're not really in love with them. They are if you're not in love with them. So getting closer to Jesus. If you're not in love with God, the Bible will be the hardest thing you've ever tried to do in your life. But it is the path to greatest freedom. If you're in love with him, the greatest joy there is is to do what he's asking you to do. Love changes everything, amen? Which brings greater freedom, external duty or internal desire. And think about that one, because I, love my, because I love my wife, I wanna do the things that are honoring and pleasing to her. Not because I'm, I fear her wrath. I, I want my kids to do what I'm asking her to do. And I don't mean that, that she would respond that way, I just mean that just, yeah, I, I mean, she doesn't, because, because she doesn't fear my wrath. Can I, can I say it that way? So, so, okay. Uh, yeah. My wife's telling me to move on. Help me. Help me, Lord, help me. I love you. Uh, parenting. That's why you got to parent the heart. So I can parent the heart of your children. Because they want you to do what's right, not because they fear punishment, all those consequences to wrong things done. You want them to do it because they love you and respect you. You know why that's important? Because when you're not around to discipline, they need to still make the right choices out of love and respect. It's the same thing. You fall deeper in love with God and outflow of that love is keeping his commands. And that is the gospel of Jesus. That is the right choice. That is the greatest path to freedom. 
And so I just this morning, I wanted to share a line. I, talk, I thought about, because I've done it before, I thought about getting the Declaration of Independence out, and it's an amazing document. It has so many great, powerful scripture and references to God. And I thought about looking at some of the Constitution, because the same thing, but you know what? You can never go wrong with the Bible. It is the greatest document of freedom for you and I. But let's understand, we have a choice to make every single day how we're going to live free. Are we going to choose to live out of the knowledge of good and evil through a secular mindset, kind of pursuing our own form of godliness that the world promises, the devil promises greater freedom, which ultimately leads to a greater loss of innocence and shame and bondage? Or are we going to follow the word of God out of a loving relationship with him, which the outflow for you and I will be pursuing his commands and therefore experiencing a greater sense of freedom? So get closer to Jesus. The closer you get to him, the more freedom you will walk in because he is a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.